Good morning, Church on the Rock. Yeah, I love that. It's so fun to be able to do that because we always see Dave doing that. I know Kyle and I love to have the chance to. <laughs> so if you are new here to Church on the Rock, I want to introduce myself a little bit. I'm Katie. I'm the pastor of Connections and Young Adults here at Church on the Rock. I am so honored to be able to share from Scripture today. Um, we are going through the book of Colossians. And if, uh, again, if this is your first time here, we're doing a summer vacation in Colossians. We're going to do the whole summer going through one book. And the reason why we wanted to do that is because we really wanted to encourage our people, our family here, to have courage when they look at the Bible, that it's, it's for everyone, that it's possible for all of us to be reading through it and reading big chunks at a time. So if you want to read along with us, you can read the book of Colossians week by week as we go through each passage. So um, today I'm going to be working on one section, and we'll talk about that in a minute. Before we go into that, I want to take you on a little bit of a tangent. I want to ask you, do you like to get good news first or bad news first? Bad news first. Okay, the reason I'm asking is because this weekend is a very big weekend in the cinema world. It is Oppenheimer and Barbie weekend. I don't know if you know yet. <laughs> um, it's, yeah, an auspicious moment in the land of cinema. I know these two films actually have been highly anticipated all year, and it just so happened that they both came out on the same weekend. So if you're on the internet, especially Twitter, there's a huge amount of memes going around because people are debating, should we watch Oppenheimer first or Barbie first? And then what should the order be? So some names have come out about it. Um, there's now Barbenheimer, which means you watch Barbie first, and then Oppenheimer second. And the reason for that um, is that you would want to kind of get into Barbie and have that kind of like fun, immersive experience with laughs and a bit of lightheartedness. It still does have a social commentary and it still is a critically acclaimed film, but people are thinking, okay, this is a nice like afternoon moment. And then in the evening, go see Oppenheimer. It is about um, the scientist who's known as the father of the atomic bomb. It's a serious topic. It could be pretty depressing actually talking about World War II and, and the atomic bomb. So people are thinking, oh, I'll go to that and then I can really like soak in the seriousness and, and soak in the, the dramatic um, effect of this film. But then we also have Oppen Barbie, which is the opposite. Yeah, that one. <laughs> so that means you go and you get in your feels and you have that dark moment thinking about World War II. And then you go to Barbie next to kind of cleanse your palate and restore your hope in humanity. <laughs> <laughs> So I, I'd love to talk to people after this to find out what have you actually done. If Are you going to both? Did you decide one or the other? Um, and you might be asking, so why, why is Katie even bringing this up today? <laughs> Partly because I'm just fascinated by this uh, social moment. But also, um, yeah, it's that idea. Like, do we want to talk about good news? Do we want to talk about serious, thoughtful, deeper, darker things. And so today what I'm going to present to you is going to have a bit of a 
Barbie Oppenheimer Barbie sandwich. <laughs> I want to talk to you about some exciting stuff, some really life-giving, exciting stuff. And then in the middle, we're going to have um, just a bit of reflection on some of the more serious sides of Christianity. And then we're going to come back to, um, yeah, some more uplifting, just really life-giving message um, today. So that's what you can expect here. So today's passage is Colossians 1, 24 to 25. And today's focus is actually on the author of Colossians. Um, this passage is a bit of a hinge between what we've been listening to before, which is talking about the supremacy, the greatness of Christ and who he is and what he did for us. And then after this passage, the rest of Colossians talks about how are we to live in light of that. So in this passage, Paul kind of opens up about who he is and what he's going through. So before we get into the passage, I would just like to ask us this question. So who was Paul? Um, scholars are talking about the fact that he's the one who's attributed with writing the letter to the church in Colossae, and which became Colossians that we now see. And uh, we touched on this a little bit at the beginning of the series. Dave mentioned a bit about the background of Paul. Paul actually was a Pharisee, so he was a Jewish student of the law, the Torah. And Pharisees were known for just being very steadfast and excellent and almost prideful that they were perfect in following the law and the Jewish traditions. And as he grew up, he actually grew to persecute the Christian church. Um, Acts 9 tells us that he would actually had murderous thoughts towards the Christians, and he acted in a way so that he could try to get as many Christians in jail as possible. Christians were afraid of him. They were terrified, actually. So he was all over the region getting Christians in trouble. He had this amazing transformation happened when he encountered Christ. We have heard of a story of him in Damascus, and he had this 180 turn where he encountered Christ and realized what he was doing with his life was totally wrong. He flipped and became totally devoted to Christ, and he received a call from God to spread the message to everyone, and especially to a group of people we call the Gentiles, which just means anyone who's not Jewish. Uh, the Jewish people had a heritage of knowing that they were God's people, and they believed that the Messiah was going to be for them only. And so God tasked Paul with this message to say, no, actually, I'm for everybody. And even here in this room online, most of us watching probably don't have Jewish heritage. We would fall into that group called the Gentiles. And so we can hear the gospel and receive what God has for us today because of some of the work that, that Paul did. Now, here's the first bit of our good news of the morning. I want you to know that in light of this, in reflecting on Paul's life and who he was before he received Christ, and then this big transformation that happened and his call to share the gospel, we can know this. Your past cannot disqualify you from a future with God. And I know, I just want to say that again because I know it's, it's a heavy truth for some of us. Your past cannot disqualify you from a future with God. 
if anyone should have been disqualified from sharing the gospel, it should have been Paul because he was out there contributing to Christians getting killed and, and being thrown in jail and being just having their lives stripped of them. So if anyone would be able to say in our human minds, oh, that guy should not be out there and, and getting all this acclaim for being someone who's called by God and has this amazing job from God. And I think that's exactly the point. That's why God puts these people all throughout the Bible to show us that it's not ourselves, it's not our goodness, our willingness to follow everything perfectly, our ability to be great people that makes us chosen by God. It's God's choice. And he's the one who does that 180 turn, that life turnaround. He's the one who decides, hey, I, I want to use this person. And so I hope we're encouraged when we read anything um, that mentions Paul or when we think about the impact that he had on Christianity. He has shared the good news of Jesus everywhere. And also, he's one of the main people that God used to speak through and to write a huge chunk of the New Testament. So I hope we're reminded when we read or hear about Paul that this is the truth in our lives too, that our past can't disqualify us from what God will want to do in our lives and how he will walk us into the future. I want to give us a little bit of a review of what we've talked about so far in Colossians because this is the message that when we read this next passage, Paul is referring to. So we have this amazing, beautiful picture of God, of who Christ is. We've learned over the past few weeks, every single thing was created through Jesus and for Jesus. I, you, were created for Jesus. Jesus holds all of creation together. And Christ is also the head of the church this worldwide organization that now proclaims these truths about who he is. And this is Christ's body of which he is the head. So we sum it up like this. The world is the creation of Christ. The church is the new creation of Christ. Through him, God reconciled everything to himself. This is what we've been hearing about, thinking about through Pastor Dave in the past three weeks. And so this is what brings us to our serious, our, our thought-pondering section. Because after hearing all of this, this is what Paul wrote up into uh, the verse that we're coming to right now. We find out that Paul actually suffered for this message. That he was tasked with sharing it, but it came at a great cost for him. We're going to look at the longer passage now, and I want you to think about this when you're hearing him talk about what he has done for the sake of this message of Christ, right? He wanted to share. You need to know that Jesus, the creator of everything, also created you and that he has come to reconcile you to God and now to be the head of the church. This beautiful, life-giving, amazing, miraculous message. But Paul says he suffered. 
So let's look at that passage now. It's a little bit longer, so let's hang in there together. We're going to read it all together so you can kind of get the sense of what Paul's saying and what he's going through. So here we have Colossians 1, 24 through 2-1. Paul says, I am glad when I suffer for you in my body, for I am participating in the sufferings of Christ that continue for his body, the church. God has given me the responsibility of serving his church by proclaiming his entire message to you. This message was kept secret for centuries and generations past, but now it has been revealed to God's people. For God wanted them to know that the riches and glory of Christ are for you Gentiles too. And this is the secret. Christ lives in you. This gives you assurance of sharing his glory. So we tell others about Christ, warning everyone and teaching everyone with all the wisdom God has given us. We want to present them to God, mature in their relationship to Christ. That's why I work and struggle so hard, depending on Christ's mighty power that works within me. I want you to know how much I have agonized for you and for the church at Laodicea and for many other believers who have never even met me personally. So we hear the story of Paul's passion to share the life-giving news of Jesus and to help Christians become mature in that knowledge. But he suffered. We hear in this passage those words. He suffered, he struggled, he agonized for this message. Why? Why, why did he do that? He did it because he knew the importance of this message, this life changing message. But how did he suffer? The Roman Empire was not a friendly place to Christians. The Romans were fine with people having their ethnic religious rights or, or kind of people groups making sacrifices to their individual gods. But the problem with Christianity was that it was actually spreading across ethnic, socioeconomic, all barriers. The Roman Empire had a very nervous attitude towards Christianity because it thought, hey, this is actually about power. This is not just about people doing some religious rituals. And I think they're right. They knew. They could see the power of God working and bringing people together. And because of that, the Roman Empire was very hostile towards Christians. And Christians were persecuted heavily. Actually, most early Christians expected that if Jesus suffered and died, that they also would. And that's what happened with Paul. Um, he was actually writing this letter to the church in Colossae from prison. And he was in prison several times. Uh, the Bible also tells us that he was, he was tortured, he was beaten, um, and eventually, he actually was killed for his faith. That's actually the story of a lot of the early Christians, even some of the other people that we read about in the early church, like Peter. And that just 2,000 years ago. But this has been happening for millennia, and it's happening in the present day, too. 
uh, Christians are being persecuted all over the world. There's a website called opendoorscanada.org, and on it we can see a map of the most heavily persecuted areas. There are some that are in extreme persecution, very high persecution, and high persecution on that map. As you can see, it's pretty dark in those areas where it's trying to show that, um, yeah, these Christians in these places are not necessarily safe. Um, and high persecution, those areas that are red, that actually means that Christians are in danger of being killed. So why am I talking to you about this? <laughs> the reason is um, this actually hits kind of close to home for me. Uh, one of my best friends, uh, she, I wanted to show you a picture of her, but she is a missionary to northern Nigeria, and she has put her life in danger for the sake of Christ. Uh, many times, and so I realized um, I can share her story, but I can't actually like show her picture because this is being recorded and broadcast. Um, I don't want people to be able to find her later, um, but I remember her journey when she was thinking of going to Nigeria, and she was telling us, I just have a passion for these one, uh, this one people group, the Hausa women of uh, northern Nigeria, they are Muslim for the most part, and um, in their culture, they're taught that women have very little value, and actually they um, are not even able to go to heaven uh, when they die. And so she just has this overwhelming desire to help them know the truth, that God does love them, that he does want an eternity with them. And when she was preparing to go, we had a, a like a friend hang out with her, like all of our best friends hanging out, and we're basically like, girl, you could, you could die. You could die when you go there, and she was preparing to leave for two and a half years, and she said, this is worth it. This is worth, this message is worth putting my life at risk, and I trust that whatever happens to me, that God is in control. Um, I guess a happier ending to the story is she's back now in Canada and she's safe, but I, I say happier because I know that she actually is planning to go back again. So um, I just, I'm so inspired by her, her willingness, her courage to do that. And I also know that um, many Christians in that area um, haven't survived. And the reason I'm bringing this up is because Sometimes we're removed from this in Canada, um, this idea of persecution or suffering for the message. And the reason that I think it's important to think about it sometimes is because it really causes me to ask, why? Why would people be willing to go and risk their lives, risk their health? They could be imprisoned, they could be beaten, they could die for a message. I think in Canada, it's pretty tempting to get on the internet and talk about messages. Um, this is what I think about something, and this is, if I'm angry or I'm passionate about something, I'm going to write to you about it um, on Facebook or Twitter or Instagram or wherever you're finding these arguments. That's like, that's how heated we get. But there are actually people out there right now who have said, the message of Jesus is worth my whole life. It's worth giving up even my right 
to have a comfortable, safe life? So my answer to that question, why, why, why would people do this, is it's because the message is that good. The message is that important. This is a life-saving, life-changing, eternity-changing message. We can see that Paul believed that in Colossians, and we can see that these Christians around the world, they believe that too. So sometimes I want to ask myself, does familiarity with this message make me complacent? Or can the lack of persecution dull the power of this truth in my life, in my everyday right now? So here's when I want to bring it back around to the good news again. We know that this message is is the truth and it's out there. And we also know that people are willing to give everything to even die for this message. So then, how is this message relevant to my life today? Here's that, that coming back to the good news. If you are checking out church for the first time, or if you would say you're, you're on a journey, you're kind of on the way to God, here is the truth for your life. Jesus, the creative force behind everything, he invites you to be reconciled to him. As we talked about earlier, your past does not disqualify you. There is nothing, actually, that can separate you if you give your life over to Jesus. He has done everything in order to make you right with God. And he wants to be close to you. If you're already a Christ follower, be reminded of this truth. Jesus, the creative force behind everything that is, invites you to be recreated in him. Jesus wants to restore you to your created purpose and renew your identity in him. I am so glad that Dave talked about the vastness of God in creation because when I think about that, that same power can be at work in our lives, in our day-to-day lives. And I think that power is at odds sometimes with what our surrounding culture is trying to talk to us about, about who we are and what our purpose is, what is the purpose of life. Every day we're bombarded by messages telling us that we have to struggle and strive and create ourselves, create our good identity and prove that we're good, that we're something. Social media invites us to compare ourselves. Oh, is my life as good as this person? Are things going as well as that person? It it kind of encourages us to just be pretty self-focused and almost feel like this is all on me. But that's not reality. Colossians tells us our reality. This is our reality. Christ lives in you. That's Colossians 1.27. And in Colossians 1.29, Paul says, Christ's mighty power 
that works within me. He mentions that. And that's the truth for us too. Christ's mighty power works within you. If you've given your life to Jesus, these things are true about you. No exceptions. Nothing disqualifies you from this truth. Like, sometimes I just need to pause and think about that for a moment. Christ lives in you. Christ's mighty power is at work in you. He wants to work in you. He wants to transform you. And he also wants to work through you to transform the world. The Bible even tells us that he planned some work for us in advance. He wants to partner with us. And he's been thinking about this since the beginning of time. Since before time. Since when he invented time. This is one of my favorite verses in the Bible. Ephesians 2.10. It says, For we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ, in Christ Jesus, so we can do the good things he has planned for us long ago. Just like Paul, God wants us also to be invited into this message giving, this act of reconciliation that God is doing in the world. He has unique ways for each of us to do that, Paul preached and, and wrote, but that doesn't have to be every single person. But the Bible explains to us there's a unique job for each of us to do in this message of reconciliation. And also, God knew about you. God thought about you from ages and ages ago and planned these good things for you because he knew that he wanted to live in you and be mightily at work through you. So here's a, an uncomfy question <laughs> that I want to ask us. And I'm asking myself this question just as much as everyone else that's here. Is this truth reflected in your priorities? When I think about our friends and, and family members who are willing to just give it all, just give their whole life that they might even die for this message, I'm not saying, hey, we all have to be ready to like jump off a cliff for Jesus. That was probably not wise at all. <laughs> but do we, do we think about our priorities? Do we think about, is this message actually trickling down into how I live my day-to-day -day life and, and what's ahead of me? And the reason I ask this question is, it's easy to just get caught up in life. Like, I see my life as this close to my face. I'm just trying to get everything done. I, there's so many different things and, and priorities that other people are telling me that I need to accomplish and, and make. And sometimes it's just about making it through the day, actually. And sometimes it's even like, well, how do I even choose what's best? Um, and I do want to say, our culture is talking to us about this. And Colossians 2.4 warns us. Paul says, I'm telling you this so no one will deceive you with well-crafted arguments. There is messages coming at us all the time that are trying to tell us what life is about. Our bosses, our teachers, maybe our friends, maybe the latest podcast, they're all trying to sell us something. And some of them are fine-sounding arguments. 
but don't let them tell you what's the truth. And I think that's what Paul's trying to say. Don't be deceived by it. We're given lots of tools, actually, to help us to live into this truth that Christ is in us, that Christ wants to work mightily through us. So I want to encourage us today to seek guidance for your life. Colossians talks about this mystery of God and, and how it's being revealed to us. And these are the ways that it is revealed to us. You can seek God's guidance for your life through community, through scripture, and through prayer. Colossians 2, 2-3 to explains this. Paul says, I want them to be encouraged and knit together by strong ties of love. I want them to have complete confidence that they understand God's mysterious plan, which is Christ himself. In him lie hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. So what are these strong ties of love he's talking about? It's community. We have people who love us dearly. And, and if you don't yet, there are people here who will love you. These people can walk with us, can encourage us, can call us out when we're kind of going a little weird. <laughs> They're people who are here on a Sunday morning. They're people that you can spend time with through the week. Also, we have this amazing truth that we can actually understand God's mysterious plan. It's not a, it doesn't have to be a mystery to us. At Church on the Rock, we talk about, actually, that we believe that every Christian can hear from God, that he wants to speak. And we can hear him through spending time in the Bible daily through the week, listening for him. And the Bible is an active book. The Holy Spirit is working through it to encourage us, to teach us, to guide us. And we also believe that in prayer, we can ask God questions and he can give us responses. That's what it's talking about when it talks about the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. God wants to speak to us. The Bible talks about if we seek his wisdom, he's happy to give it. And he gives it without finding fault. He doesn't just give it to the people who deserve it. He gives it to all of us, whether we're, we're making mistakes or not. So I'd like to invite the worship team to come up. And uh, one really good thing that we have uh, going for us at Church on the Rock that I really enjoy about our services is that we have time after the message to just soak in whatever it is God's talking to us about or whatever is kind of rumbling in our minds and hearts. So we have four songs coming up. We're going to be going through these songs, and I really want to encourage you during these songs to ponder these things. Ask God in prayer this question. God, what might it look like for your mighty power to be at work in me? I'm going to say that one more time because I think it takes courage to ask this question because God might, <laughs> he might really show you. <laughs> That's what we want him to do. God, what might it look like for your mighty power to be at work in me? And I think summer is a really good time to be asking this question of God because our routines are a little bit more relaxed. 
in some cases, sometimes we'll go on vacation, we have time to kind of evaluate and refocus before September when there's that kind of fresh start. So you can also ask God, hey, have some of my priorities fallen out of order? So this is what I would love for you to take away from today. God wants to speak to you about your life. So I encourage you to seek God's guidance for your life through community, scripture, and prayer. How does he want to be at work in you and through you? Summer is a great time to refocus, and you have time even this week to think about those questions. And also, I encourage you to get curious about what Christ's mighty power that works within you could look like. I just want to close us in prayer before we head into our worship time. God, thank you for the truth that if we have invited you into our lives, you live in us. Thank you that you want to work mightily in power in our lives and through our lives. And God, I pray that you would give us the courage to ask you that question. What could it look like in my life? And I pray, God, that you would show us how to listen for that answer and how to live out the answer once, once we know. God, thank you for community, for scripture, and for prayer. God, I also want to thank you that if anyone's here who's just on their journey trying to figure out if, if church is even real, God, I thank you that you have an opening for them too. Lord, that you have said, come to me, and I am going to make you reconcile to me. I am going to cover anything you think hasn't been good in your life, and I am going to invite you into, our, into my family. Thank you that you can do that, God. And Lord, I thank you that we have this time right now over these four songs to just listen for you, to be open to what you have for us. So we give you this time in Jesus' name. Amen.